What's up, everybody? Vice is back again. Thank you for tuning in to another brand new episode of Writer's Block. This is part two of my conversation with Gabe, my former drummer in Fireglass. I hope you enjoyed the first part of the conversation. We had so much fun. We just we went off the rails so hard, as you can tell. Uh, this one pretty much continues the same thing. We do go off the rails a lot, but we do get to some serious stuff towards the end of the show where we touch on a little bit of the issues we had within... Uh, Fireglass, and then some of the other stuff that we wanted to do still with, you know, material songs that we have that we had written and more or less recorded, but had never properly seen the light of day. So uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode as well. Um, it gets a little bit tonally, a little more aggressive, more towards the end, but but I still think it was a great conversation. So hopefully you guys enjoy this one. So uh, sit back, relax, and keep it tuned right here on Writer's Block. So let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about some of the shows that we played as uh, as Fireglass here because we played a lot. Oh, dude! <laughs> like, uh, memory kind of goes phasey with the amount of shows that we end up oh, playing. Oh God, man. dude! I know we played fucking so many. Are there any good standout shows to you? Are there any shows that we did either just around Arizona or when we were on tour that you know? You know, uh, there's. There's a couple of them that I know that we had we had some really good shows here in Arizona, right? We did. Yeah. Um, then there was there was these other shows that we did have outside of our states uh, that were really really awesome to play as well. Um, like I said, dude, memory goes so phasey with the amount of shows. It's hard to remember because uh, um, I'm, I'm not trying to point fingers, but uh, me and Matt were like one of the only people that stayed awake. When we tried to go back and forth between states <laughs> or cities. That's fair. Hey, no, no, sometimes when we were driving through when we were driving through Texas and we were driving to New Mexico that first time, you and I stayed away. Yeah, yeah, no, to be fair, you you did stay up your fair share. I feel but, like I feel like CJ and Brick were like the only two people that just never stayed away. Oh no, they were the fucking drives. no, they were, they were dead were, to the world. It yeah. Was, <laughs> like we could have crashed and it wouldn't cared. Yeah, it was primarily it was the, it was definitely the three of us, but I know I can agree that it was more you and Matt. Yeah, dude, Sid, just having having the amount of times of because uh, I mean that's kind of the rule of thumb, right? So when you're on the road and you have the driver that is consistently having to keep that uh, that situational awareness, especially when you're on the road at high mile at uh, high miles per hour. Um, you need someone that's gonna either be the DJ, which that was uh, always your role. That was always my role. So I, I try to, I try to, I try to, you know, differentiate the music sometimes, just so I can kind of keep people on the toes. Whoever is driving, whoever was awake. Um, that way we don't just lose focus. You know, if you're staying asleep half the time, you're gonna get up groggy. Yeah. And if we're trying to perform, we're gonna be tired as all hell just trying to perform. Yeah. So uh, whoever was in the passenger seat needed to be the person that was gonna keep the driver awake. And that's just kind of like the rule of thumb, especially when you're traveling in long distances. Um, so having those days where we perform a night, perform a show, and then stay up all night to get to the next city, and then finally get to a hotel, if we were 
lucky to have a hotel. Yeah, we didn't always have hotels on the road. Um, was brutal, and that was brutal. Having to stay up overnight was brutal. I mean, I was already used to it as it is because at the time I was a, uh, I was uh, security, so mm-hmm. I was already staying up overnight as it is. But just like being on the road and just seeing lines, and like just one. like multiple perpendicular lines just constant for hours on end you start closing your eyes to get your eyes a rest and that's all you see right (laughs) it's so weird to be Um, uh to be fair though too matt did a lot of the driving because his excuse was just that he was in the military you know he was used to it he was disciplined or some shit to be fair i was i was too much of a pussy to drive (laughs) honestly (laughs) i'm not gonna lie no you me and matt i think did most of the driving yeah, I and was. When I was, we had Nick with us, he drove for us a lot yeah, too. But when was, it was just us, like I was too much of a pussy to drive. The one time that I, ironically, one time that I did drive, it started pouring. Remember yeah, that through Texas? I remember because we switched at some point dude, because I took over driving. Dude, I was. It was pouring. I was like, dude, I don't know if I should do this. Yeah, no, like, honestly, dude, like the rain, the rain at that point in Texas. I don't remember where we were coming from or where we were going, um, but we were caught in Ijoing. And <laughs> <laughs> wow, but um, I remember we were driving and we had to pull off on the freeway on the on the interstate mm-hmm. because the rain was so th- it was so intense that I could barely see the brake lights of the vehicle in front. And then we stopped off at this really crazy giant gas station that had like a big ass diner in it to fill up the van. And then we would just we just wandered for a while, waiting for the rain to calm down and getting food and shit. But yeah, no, dude, it was scary. It was driving it was through really that. Scary, dude. That was. Uh, I thought it was funny that the one time that I, I ended up driving the van with the trailer was when it was pouring. It was like the worst of all conditions <laughs> for me to drive for the first time. It's like, all right, so everyone's lives is in my hands. Let's get through this tsunami. <laughs> This big old hurricane that came out of nowhere. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Um, yeah, dude, I, I thought it was funny. And then uh, this was when Tezzerak dropped their Sonder album, too. I was just so excited to listen to it. Yeah. And I was so focused on trying to keep us alive. Like, I, didn't, I couldn't even listen to the music. I was trying to bob my head. I was like, ooh, that's cool. All right, all right, go back, go back, go back. Um, but yeah, dude, like... I mean, to reiterate the question that you did ask, I would say uh, the the good shows that we did have um, were the Colorado shows. Oh, yeah, Colorado um, Springs, man. That uh, show was a blast. Colorado, Colorado, just in general, was awesome. It was a lot of fun to play there. Um, the couple shows, I mean, a lot of the shows that we had up in Phoenix. Um, yeah. I, I honestly, I don't, don't quote me, but I do not remember majority of the venues <laughs> uh, dude honestly i don't either we played at so many small places um there was one show that uh god i, god, I can't remember i can't remember what it's called but i think it's called uh the rock bar in in phoenix i don't know if we i don't know if I, we played with you vice but um it was the first show that cj played with us okay yeah that was before me because he he was already like well and established in the band before yeah, i joined so that show there was a lot of people there it was a lot of fun and i got drunk i got drunk i mean we all got drunk a lot of times uh, yeah, that did. was that was the beauty of being in a band is getting just shit-faced drunk oh, sometimes dude, yeah. We, uh, we having so free much. alcohol from people that buy alcohol for us oh dude we got so messed up it was awesome um 
but that, that night I feel like was probably uh, just being in public and being drunk. That was the first time I ever done that. Oh, okay. And uh, I, I made a, I, I, what's funny is that I remember doing it, but I remember making a decision that is absolutely hilarious to me now. Um, there was this girl that was walking through the, I don't remember, she was, there was an upstairs area, right? So you had to go upstairs to get to this pool area and a bunch of other stuff. Um, it was really cool. A bunch of other people were sitting up there, up, up there. Wait a minute. I, I think I remember. Fun. So it was a small area. We played with Scarlet Canary, right? Yes. Yes. I yes. was there for that because we all were there and I, it was, I, it was I, the second time that we went there actually, cause we okay. had the juice to eat the Isik juice. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. With monsoon vapor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do remember that venue. I didn't, I remember playing there. I don't know if this is the same time that you were talking about, but I remember that staircase mm-hmm. And because we met some fans up there and we ended up hanging out with them like mm-hmm. all night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was the second time that we actually showed up there. It was the second the second show we performed there. Okay. But the first time that we showed up there, um, yeah, dude, Ermi's Ermi's was still in the band and CJ, that was CJ's first uh, performance that he did with us. So like I was like, like I was saying, I got super, super drunk. Um, I walked up one of the stairs and these group of girls came down and I remember one of the girls that was walking, she had a skirt on, but I reached over and grabbed her ass as <laughs> I was going up the stairs. Oh God. And she turned around and looked at me like, no. And I was like, what? I didn't do anything. <laughs> so I walked up the stairs even more. <laughs> and it was stupid because no one was around me as I'm going up the stairs. So it's like. Dude, you're really gonna try to deny that you grabbed my ass when you're the only one going up the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> and as I walked up, I walked back up the, on the in the upstairs area, like I like I reflected back on me grabbing her ass. I'm like, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> like none of none of any of my actions that I regret of me grabbing her ass and then try to deny it. You just was, you leaned into it. Yeah, I didn't get slapped. You know, I didn't get called out or yelled at. It was just, no. It's like she's scolding a toddler. Yeah, I think she was older than me, actually. That, well, yeah, okay. So, I mean, it made sense. Yeah. I mean, she had kids. <laughs> so for her to say that to me, it was just like, okay, it's understandable. But, you know, can you do it again, mommy? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny because I walked up there and I'm just laughing to myself. And I think I remember Matt telling me, he's like, dude, what are you laughing about? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> this was even before the joke or two. It's just one of those things where it's like, you wouldn't understand. Oh, <laughs> shit. That was, that was a uh, fun night. Um, that's a good time. All right. Bad shows. Bad shows. I feel like, well, I don't know. My take on this, so I have one, I mean, aside from just like most of the tours that we went on, there's one show as far that kind of I feel like falls in the realm of good and bad that I wanted to hit on. And then I have one show that I think was a really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a show at The Rock. We'll talk about that one after. Yeah. But so the show that I think it was bad because of the people that were there, but it was good because when by the time we went on stage, we didn't give a shit. And that is the infamous Trap Trapped Show. Trap Show. So headstrong pieces of shit. So for for anybody who doesn't who doesn't know, um, so we played a show with Trapped. We were one of the five or six. Like there were so many local bands on that bill. It was ridiculous. It was like us and as we watched them fall and like five other bands. Wasn't Pyro performing that night too? I believe Pyro was there too. Yeah. 
Like it was just, it was such a stacked bill. It was ridiculous. There did not need to be that many local bands <laughs> on the opener. But so we showed up for our call time. We hand in our tickets and everything and we're waiting for them to show up. Trapped shows up two hours late to the venue for whatever reason. Um, so in order to compensate for that, they cut all of our, um, the opening bands, they cut all of our set time short by like 10 minutes. Yep. So we had to cut like a song um, and and some stage banter like out of our set. And then... You don't forget about the, uh, the sound check. Oh when yeah. When they showed up, they did sound check. The doors opened. So everyone assumed that Trapped was already playing as soon as everyone walked in. And they were just doing sound check. Oh man, and just the the the, the singer, uh, I don't know what his name is, but it's not relevant. He's a dick. Uh, he just got so pissed off at everybody that was there. He was yelling at the road crew, just oh, treating God, them dude. like dirt. And then Chase, yeah, dude, I he felt was so bad. For oh him. man, yeah, he was he was yelling at the sound guy Chase too because he was getting feedback on the mic, which is weird because you know we. We do. We did a little bit of a sound check too beforehand, and that mic that he was using, that he was having a problem with, was I used the exact fine, same dude. mic, and it I had no problems. Fine. He was just he was being such a knob, and he was just such a giant piece of shit. Like he did the sound check, he dropped the mic, and then like huffed and puffed with his fat chest, like back out to the tour bus, and then didn't come out. Yeah, none of them came out actually. Yeah, everybody else just the, all the guys in the band they just hung out on the bus until it was time for them to play. People wanted to meet them, um, but like everyone who saw the way that Mr. Trapped was behaving was just like, you know, there, there was no reason for that like decorum. There was no reason for that kind of behavior. Like everybody was doing the best that they could. We had to scramble and change things because they showed up fucking two hours late, but it's our fault. Like, yeah, no, dude. dude. I remember uh, we had to go over all of our songs so we can cut the introductions so we can just go straight into a verse yeah just just to just go into the songs we can cut all of them like yeah we had to make fucking last minute changes to our set and just hope that everybody fucking remembered it and by the time we hit um by the time we hit the end of it because we decided we always closed our sets with our fuck you song marshmallow pig and because that's all that that song is about is a giant fuck you to anybody who's a douchebag so when when you know our time was up we were on stage and we saw that behavior we had to deal with all the changes that came because of them and mostly because of him um we we dedicated marshmallow pig to them and that was really funny because <laughs> it I was think- it was cathartic dude it was so much fun because like all the people that were in uh the audience that knew the song like they just said fuck you with all of us too and it's just like yes yeah that's right we did have that one part in the middle of the song right where everything stops and we're just like fuck you yeah, it was fucking awesome dude. and i think so that cool. their their road crew caught on to it too oh yeah because there was i remember remember right there by the by the entrance to the rock so you walk in and then to the left there's that little riser thing where everyone sets up their merch yeah there was a couple of the crew that were standing there and i remember during when break was doing his verses i remember looking over and i saw like three dudes just standing there arms crossed mean mugging the shit out of us and i'm just we're just having a great old time smiling up there and shit and yeah and then we just we left the show right after that we didn't stay for them so we have no idea it's actually it's funny because like i think um i don't know if you left immediately after but i think i stayed until they went up on stage we're outside we're outside talking oh i I left people i left fucking straight up i packed my shit i helped everything load up 
and I dipped. And yeah, I just no, I went we, and got dinner because I didn't want to support those assholes. We anymore. uh we stayed outside because we were talking, and then uh, I remember halfway through their set, they said something. It was like for all those people that took off, fuck them, and uh, you know for those people that stayed in here, you guys are you guys are the the VIPs or some stupid shit like that. And I looked inside, and I was just like. What the fuck ever, dude? Like, wasn't fuck there out like, of here. Wasn't there, like, not a whole lot of people? There wasn't, dude. I think, I think Matt, they were performing at, like, four or five different people. Yeah, I think Matt uh, Matt stayed, too, mm-hmm. because he always stays to the ends of the shows. And I mm-hmm. think he told us the next day that once... Because I think we were the last local band because we sold the most tickets. Yeah. So once we were done, um, everybody that was there to show local support for everybody just filed out yeah everyone took off and they were playing to like an empty house like we had bigger crowds than they did yeah and they you you know they it was so i i that was karma at its best oh for sure and yeah i lost i lost all respect for for him and that band after that i haven't listened to their music since unless i'm forced to but whenever, like, if, like, one of the nurses I work with, like, plays Pandora and if Headstrong comes on, I oh, tell that dude, story. yeah. No, I, I, I just, like, cringe every time I hear that song. Yeah. Like, I just, I won't, and I hate it because the dude's a good singer and his music, his vocals are really good for practice. But I just, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. I will not support them. And um, I, I lied. Uh, I would say, actually, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> I would say my, my best, my favorite show is when we opened for Haken. I had a feeling that was going to be up on But there. I also... I, I hate myself during that night because I got belligerent drunk that night as well. And I talked I to the bassist and embarrassed the living shit out of myself. I remember you saying something. What did you do? I remember you talking about it. I remember you saying something because you were freaking out about it the entire drive home from Phoenix. Yeah, dude. I was... I, dude, I love Haken. If we were able to open for Tesseract, like, I would probably would have embarrassed the shit myself even more. And ironically, when I did see them live, I still embarrassed myself from, from Dan Tompkins <laughs> when I went to go see them with uh, with Becca. Um, yeah, dude. So uh, at the end of the show, since we saw their whole set and everything, the bassist was in the back uh and in, in the where where all the bands load up mm-hmm. and so i, I what came over me dude i was just it was the alcohol talking i was so happy i got to finally see haken live and we got to open for them like it was such a a huge thing um i went back there and in, instead of keeping things brief and cool because the guy is awesome uh, Connor Green, if you ever hear this, dude, I am so sorry because I embarrassed the shit out of myself. <laughs> um, he's probably like, dude, Tucson, or what did he say? Like, uh, Phoenix. Phoenix was. I know that they never have never gone back to Phoenix again because I don't think there was a lot of people even there to see them perform. So they, I don't think they went back again. I don't it was, think they it was an okay anymore. crowd, but it wasn't exactly a packed house. Yeah, like, it was, it was them and thank you scientists. And yeah, I don't think that they're, they didn't have as much of a draw as they were hoping. I think yeah. they were kind of counting more on the local bands. Too. Yeah. Um. So, what I basically did was, when we were already getting ready to leave, uh, the bass player was in the back. And he had his, his, uh, his, I don't know if it was his main squeeze. I don't know if it was side squeeze. I don't know if it was someone really close to him. Either way, he had someone with, somebody with him. Um, and I stopped him and kind of thanked him in some way to, you know, for, for him being such a big inspiration from being a bass player. I'm not a bass player, which, which is fucking stupid for me to even say. <laughs> um, but I was just saying, cause like he was new to the band. 
And I was just kind of elaborating in, in regards to like Haken's been a huge inspiration for me. You know, they've been an amazing band. I'm a huge fan for uh, Haken. And he even said it too. He's like, I am too. And, and, and then I went on a whole rant of how I joined Fireglass. And I bored the living shit out of him. And I oh, remember yeah. my, my drunk goggle eyes. I remember he wanted to get away, but I kept stopping him. And he was being so nice. And he didn't want to interrupt me. He sat through the whole story and listened to me rant about me joining Fireglass when it had nothing to do with Haken. <laughs> oh my god! I remember you dude. telling us that, yeah, on the way home, because you were you were freaking out about it the whole time, like you had just destroyed a reputation or something. I, I dude, I absolutely embarrassed myself. I know it was, I know it was Connor Green, but it, dude, it's Connor Green. The guy <laughs> is a freaking legend, dude. Like he's insane. Yeah, uh, so I embarrassed my shit on myself, but... That's fucking... The, I mean... That's funny. To, to kind of give some good aspect in regards to that show, man. Like, that's, like, one of my biggest bands. One, one... I would say top... Top three. Yeah. Top three. I Definitely remember you three. were so excited. Because, like, you know, whenever whenever we got, like, the shows from Matt, they are like, hey, we got this show where we're going to open up for this. Or we're going to do this. And we're just like, yeah, sure, whatever. It's a show to play. And then Matt came up to us at practice one day. And he's like, we just got offered a spot to open up for Haken. And you were like, yes, we're going to fucking do it now. <laughs> like, I've never seen you say yes so quick to a show before. You were the first one on board. Oh, dude. And I remember I was sitting next to Casca uh, and Megan. Yeah. As they're sitting at the at the merch, and I'm sitting there just like jamming out to the music, and I look over to them as the at like towards the end of the set, they're like, with just like blank poker faces, like, what the hell did we just listen to? They were so they were I don't know if they were like amused, uh, entertained, mm-hmm. confused, or just overall like dumbstruck of how long the songs were and how complicated it sounded. All at the same time. (laughs) I feel like there's probably a level of, like, confusion and then maybe just eventually giving up. Yeah. (laughs) Of just, like, trying to fucking understand it. Because I know that I couldn't do it. Like, there are parts of certain songs, like, that I enjoy. But, like, I'll straight up, like, Prague is too complicated for me. It's so funny, dude. Like, I remember looking over at them, like, did you guys like it? They're like, yeah. It was, uh, (laughs) it was good. And I was like... Yeah, and I was too drunk to realize that they were just like, dude, this was way too confusing. What the fuck? <laughs> I remember uh, I, that was that was a fun. That was up at Joe's Grotto. Joe's Grotto. Man, such that a, sucks. That, that place closed. Oh, I know. That was such a fun. That's one of my favorite places I think in Arizona to play. I loved going over there. I loved hanging out there. I just I love being on the stage. It was a good time. But do you remember? I don't remember exactly when it was. But there was a show that we played at The Rock. This was what I would consider my favorite show because we outdid, um, like, performance-wise, we outdid Lethal. Yes, that where... was that was the um, Never Say Never show. Was it? Yep. Okay. I remember that very clearly. That was the Never Say Never show because that was when I met... Um... Wow, I can't believe I forgot her name. It was the girl with the red hair. Cat- I took a Kate. picture. No. Well, she took a picture with all of us. That sounds vaguely familiar, she was, but I can't she was, uh, she was kind of short. She was really hot. Oh, that sounds maybe familiar. I can't. I feel like I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember. Um, but but anyway, like I I think that that show was one of my favorite ones because we played right before Lethal, uh huh, and we finished our set, and like Rascal was watching us, and people were begging for an encore. 
Because yeah. that was the show where me and Break, like, we, we, we ran around on top of that bar that was right there next to the stage, which is something I've always wanted to do. <laughs> and I had a wireless mic, so, and I saw Break do it and not get in trouble, so I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go do it too. Oh my god. And so we got to do that, and I spent half the set fucking headbanging on top of this bar that I'd always wanted to just fuck around on. And um, we played our set. And Rascal was watching and he was listening to the crowd and they wanted us to keep playing and we looked over at him and I think I asked him, I was like, Rascal, can we, can we, can we give him more? Can we do like one or two more songs? And he was like, sure, fucking go for it. So it was the only time I can think of that we ever got an encore and that we ever outperformed fucking a band that's like, you know, as renowned locally as yeah. Lethal Injection. Yeah, dude. And Rascal was a good sport about it. I don't think the other guys on Lethal were assholes about it either. I no. think everyone was super chill. No. And I don't remember if they cut their sets, like, short or probably not, because Rascal had the money. So he's just, we're going to do whatever the fuck you want anyway. So, yeah, you know, good for dude, him. Yeah, dude, I think but, that's what, uh, that's what kind of sparked his, enthusiasm, his, uh, his, his interest with us. I think it was, yeah. Because yeah. I know after, after a certain point, he was just all over it. And we played so many shows with Lethal Injection and Never Say Never and Stands, uh, Stands With Fists. Is that another, was that, that's, uh, was that one of John Russell's band? Yeah, Stands With Fists is another one. But I, I know that show specifically had, it was us, Lethal, and that was the first show that Never Say Never debuted. Because they yeah. also released their album that day. That's right, it was their album release show and they played first. Mm, was no, it? They, was, they were the headliner. Okay, so it was Lethal and then us. And then, because I know we played right before, we played right right before something involving Rascal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we were like sandwiched in between. Us projects, basically. Yeah. yeah, which was cool. I remember being stoked about that, because I really liked that Never Say Never thing, because it was very pop-punk, and I fucking love pop-punk. Yeah. I don't, but, I don't know if he ever continued with it. I don't know what happened. No, he did um, the one record, and then I think that was I, just it. I think there's, uh, there's something that I haven't told you, actually, about... Um, uh, not that long ago, but I would say last year sometime, not only did he offer me once, but twice to join once with Lethal and then another with another project he wanted to do. Oh yeah? He was trying to scope you out as a drummer? Mm-hmm. No shit. And uh, the first time I didn't hear anything back from him, but mm-hmm. I was, dude, just, it was so daunting with the amount of material that they had that I had to learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Like they got a lot of albums, they got a lot of material. It's just oh, like, yeah. dude, I don't... I don't know if I'm gonna be able to learn all of this, like just within a small amount of time. And he's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. He sent me a whole playlist of the songs, basically what they what they pick and choose from their for their set lists. Mm-hmm. And um, dude, I had that playlist on Spotify on repeat for a while, dude. It was constant, constant, going over the same songs over and over again. And it was a lot of fun, dude. It was a lot of fun going over all these songs. Um, but I never heard back from him. No answer back, you know. Uh, they followed through with their drummer still, and mm-hmm. um, and then he tried to get in contact with him again. Now it's just like, yeah, dude, I'm sorry, you know, like things happened, this hasn't happened, and Becca left, and uh, you know, I'm kind of having to take care of Aiden for the time being. It's kind of hard for me to just kind of you know have time for music right now. Just perform even 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 with Lethal, like Lethal is a big thing. He's yeah. like, no, 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 don't worry about it. He's like, just make sure you prepare for this show and this show. And maybe hopefully down the road, you know, we'll plan a tour. And I was like, dude, I'd, I'd be down. Didn't hear anything back a second time. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, you know what? Forget it. Just, I'm not going to join another band again. And then I had other offers, other bands 
other people will contact me and they're like, dude, you're a really good drummer and this is and this. And it's just like, dude, I just, I'm, I don't want to join a band anymore, man. Like, Fireglass just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, the the situation on Fireglass as a whole was pretty rough. And it definitely, it definitely kept me away from the idea of being uh, in music for a while. Like, I think when I quit, I don't remember how, I want to say it was like a year that I just, I didn't do anything. I didn't want to be in a band. I didn't want to pursue music that hard anymore. And then Jesse came up to me and approached me about Beneath and I decided to give it a shot. Yeah. And you know, I've been doing that ever since. And then getting getting to a point of like feeling like, oh, this is gonna be a fun little little side tangent. So with with not being um, with not being in a band anymore and you know, not really having much of a drive to join another band, are you still like or do you want to like put out music as like a solo artist do you want to just be a session guy or a studio guy you know, or are you just done altogether it's funny is that uh when you asked me initially in regards to being on this podcast and then when you told me the name of the podcast i was like dude that does there's no way that that sticks with me so well i have writer's block dude i have so much ideas I have so many ideas on what I want to do, mm-hmm. especially with everything that that I've gone through since leaving Fireglass. Yeah, I just don't know how to approach it. I don't know what to do with it. I I can't play guitar for the life of me. Um, I mean, I can play piano. Uh, I can sing. I can write beats and you know play drums. I just need I need to find the time. I need to find the money, uh, the resources. Um, just getting just getting down to actually writing the material um i have a couple things that i i still kind of polished and fixed uh from when i initially was writing things on my laptop Mm -hmm. so i have a couple songs not a lot but it's just like what two three or three or four more three or four songs or something like that um that i kind of you know wrote out and stuff and one of them being uh something that me and becca actually wrote together Mm -hmm. um and it's I, it's crazy because um, when we were writing it together, we didn't know how we were gonna write it. We just kind of picked and choose a bunch of different samples and different different sounds. And um, I wrote my own different parts and stuff to kind of go along with uh, the key of the song. Um, she loved it. Um, I tried to like organize it a little bit more. There was a lot of different samples that we just didn't really use. They were just kind of there. Um, but as of, I would say maybe two, three months ago, I got back to it again and I finished the song. Mm-hmm. The only thing I need to do is add vocals and mix and master the song. That's it. That's awesome, dude. I wrote drums for it. Uh, I have the structure for the song. Um, I mean, granted, you know, it, it, it's kind of a weird thing to release a song with samples that's been kind of ripped default samples that kind of been ripped up from a from a, a program mm-hmm. um which i would love to actually just kind of write like rewrite the actual samples themselves but i mean to go to get the overall aspect of what the song is supposed to sound it's it's basically done like i just you know small things basically write mm-hmm. lyrics for it um but yeah there's and then um, i even wrote some like uh uh, some like new wave like retro song uh you know like new wave like nowadays is kind of like a like a like a cyberpunkish sound mm-hmm. okay i have something like that that i wrote out um i have an idea for like a metal song that mm-hmm. i kind of wrote out as well um 
super genty, but I none of the none of the samples of the program the program that I have has anything remotely close to some gently genty guitar that I can produce. <laughs> so um, the drums are as like default as default you can get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the idea is there, dude. Like, and it just all comes down to like writer's block, man. Like, I I have lyrics that I've been wanting to write down. I have emotions that I've been wanting to get out for for so long, and I just don't know how to approach it. Yeah, it can be hard. Um, in in my experience with writing and everything, um, with getting emotions out and whatnot, I feel like one of the best things that you can do is just try not to force it. You know, when uh, when you feel when you feel compelled, you know, you'll do it. And then if you try to force it, otherwise you might get something done, but you're not going to be happy with it. And I had writer's block myself for for months, man, until I finished maybe a week ago. That one that I showed you, the one that I had posted on SoundCloud for my hip hop project, The Collapse. I've been trying to write that for a couple of months. Like I bought that beat off of one of the things that I get my beats from for like forever ago. And I had the idea for it and I had it sit and I just, I couldn't do it. I'd write maybe one or two lines and then I just, I wasn't feeling it. And writers, um, the, the creativity and getting through writer's block is not something that you can force. At least not with any success. Yeah. So like I understand, you know, having having emotions and stuff you know being able being like like needing to process things and everything but it's it, again like it, it's not something that you can force you just you try it a little bit each day if you're not feeling it then just don't do it and then you know inspiration will hit you at the weirdest times you could just be listening to a song on spotify or just hanging out at home and all of a sudden you'll feel compelled to write and then that's when you do and you will come up with something really good yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, it's just like, like I have all these ideas. Like I said, it's just, it's just trying to. I, I think a lot of it has to do with like just me being cautious about mm -hmm. who I pick and choose and who to like what I what I want to approach. Like, yeah, you for example, like I, I would love for you to like write some bass parts, or even pick up a guitar and a guitar and, and like write something out. I, I would love to ask <laughs> CJ, but. Dude, he's he's off to big and better things right now, man. He's in the military. Oh yeah, he's just crushing it in life right now. And um, I, I don't know, man. Like, I I want to write stuff that's contemporary. Mm -hmm. Ironically, um, <laughs> I don't want to write just like genty metal, you know, stuff yeah. all the time. Like, I want to write something that's like orchestral. Or I want to write something that's like left field, you know, like something that's like foreign. I don't know, like add some new in instruments into the play, like a harp or uh, a hurdy gurdy, or something that's like not foreign to our ears, but still give some aspect of emotion that uh, that'll connect to someone. I think it's I think it's a good thing to uh, to branch out and you know try new things and experiment and stuff. You know, it, it helps you grow as a musician, as a creator. Um, you know, writing, you know, uh, based on something different can help you grow as a lyricist. You know, when uh, when when I decided to finally pull the trigger on my hip hop project, 
I was absolutely terrified about doing it <laughs> because I didn't think I could. And I also didn't think that I would, it would be as well received because, you know, whatever, what little reputation I might've had at one point in time, you know, it's because of fire glass and stuff was because I'm a metal vocalist. Mm-hmm. I sing and I scream. So the idea of, of me, um, you know, rapping over anything I felt was just not going to be a thing that people, you know, would be okay with. And I tested the waters with it a little bit when I was writing lyrics for Beneath the Fallen Sun's song, uh, Open Wounds, where there's a part, uh, I guess it's, you could say it's like an interlude part, where it's, it's, it's clean, it's clean, uh, clean guitar. And I didn't know anything that I could sing over it. I didn't want to try screaming over it because the music is so quiet. So I decided to try and rap. And I wrote a rap for these parts in the song. And then we tracked the song. I did the vocals and stuff. And then when it came time to like actually tease it, you know, like what we used to do when we were when we were doing Fireglass and stuff, mm-hmm. when the song is finished, we record like a 30 second part of mm-hmm. like whatever part of the fucking song is on screen. Um, I requested one of those one of those parts specifically. One of the parts where I'm like something of rapping. So that way I could um, get it out there, show the world, you know, that this is something different that beneath themselves, you know, that beneath ourselves are going to do. And that it was something to see um, if I tried doing this, would it be well, uh, would it be well received? Yeah. And, you know, the feedback on it overall was really good. So, and that kind of pushed me to go further with my hip hop project. And that was what led to the, the overall conception of it. And when I, I released my first like actual song. You know, you, you kind of touching basis upon that. Um, it kind of gives me some, some comfort because, you know, there are some aspect of, uh, I am kind of terrified of if I release something, it's just not going to be well received at all. It's just oh, yeah. going to be a, a big, huge waste of time. It's, it's definitely a fear to have, especially like, I don't know if you feel the way that I did. I feel like, like I, like I said, like I, you know, I, I was viewed upon as a metal vocalist, yeah. you know, I pigeonholed myself mm-hmm. as like, I do this one specific genre. So the idea of doing, especially doing a genre that I feel is like on the complete other end of the spectrum, you know, it, it was, it's, it's a very, it's a very scary thing to try to do because mm-hmm. Because it is, you know, polar opposites. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but I, th- I, I, I really want to collaborate at least with the uh, closer people that I know of, uh, especially with you, man. Uh, like I said, I got a lot of I got a lot of stuff that I just kind of want to get out. Yeah, dude, I'm down. Whatever you need. Just I'll learn. I guess approaching writing lyrics is something that I definitely would would want to ask. It's just like how how do you do you write in a in a in a like a a sonnet looking poem <laughs> you know type writing uh do you just write your thoughts out like a journal and pick and choose words do you just you know pick words that you want to you know like that core line and then just like look up synonyms or and then look up like things to rhyme with it and mm-hmm. i mean i i i mean I, I know some aspect of when coming up with like certain lyrics obviously with with our, our work together um but writing whole songs is a completely different oh, know, yeah. ball right there it's a whole different ball game so yeah it, it is definitely tough one until you figure out the way that you want to do it like the, the way that i do it like this is why i can't write lyrics first and build a song around it because my lyrics are based on 
the song itself. Okay. You know, I will write like whatever tone the music itself has, whatever I feel coming from the music is what the song will be about. So like when we were writing, um, so like when we did What's Done Is Done, mm-hmm. you know, it's very, it's not super aggressive, which is why there's not a lot of screaming vocals in it, mm-hmm. but it's also very dark mm-hmm. and there is a good level of aggression to it. So when I, when I would listen to that song, listen to the music, to CJ's riffs, to, to your drums and everything, like the emotion that I felt was very, it was very aggressive and I guess very, uh, I guess finite for lack of a better word, which is what led me to the subject matter for it, where, you know, that song was about a relationship from years and years ago that didn't work out. And um, with, uh, as far as writing the lyrics themselves and everything, I will listen to a song and I will come up with the melody first. Okay. I will use scratch lyrics to fill the void just so that way I can remember the melody. And sometimes I'll come up with decent stuff, but... I will not actually start writing lyrics until I have the melody. When I know what each part is going to be, even if I do, like, if I'm gonna write my verse, I will figure out a melody for the verse first, and then I'll do the same thing for the chorus. If I can't think of it all together, I will do that piece by piece. So with writing with writing lyrics for, uh, for what's done is done, and doing, you know, the way that we broke it down between switching off between me and break, like, you know, originally with that song being just me, um, I wanted to only have you know, lyrics on on the the alternate picking part, whereas the 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 the, the chugging part that CJ did, I kept it just like that because I liked the idea of breaking it up. You know, and like based on what the guitar does and whatnot, you can decide different things to do with with the melody and with and with the vocals and stuff. And when I figured out the melody for it, and then what I wanted the subject, what like the feel of the song was, I would pick a subject that had that same feel okay and when i figure out what the subject is like what it's actually going to be about what story it's actually going to tell then it gets a lot easier to write the lyrics because you have a foundation to build off of you have a frame to stay in and even if it's it's annoying at times to focus on a set idea you know like like writing a song about about moving on past a relationship you know writing about that the entire time it can be frustrating because you want to say something in a certain way and you know maybe you can't do it that certain way or whatever. Like I, when I, I talked to Steve about this, because he he actually asked me a lot more questions about my creative process than I thought he was going to. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. I remember that episode. <laughs> he like switched it on you, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so with with writing um, with writing lyrics and stuff, like I try not to use. I'll follow one of two ah. usual usually two rhyme schemes. Either the end every single line will end and rhyme the same way so that's four different lines that were the last word has to rhyme or every other line will rhyme okay so okay. it's usually it's one usually of one of those two particular rhyme schemes and i will not repeat myself too yeah. close together no i know i know how very clear you are with that yeah, yeah that you don't, shit you don't fucking... ever you don't ever repeat yourself yeah like, ever and none of your lyrics have ever been repetitive ever yeah it irritates the shit out of me to do that. That's like, why, that's I why I've, always, I've always loved your lyrical content, man. Like, you've, you've always used words that uh, aren't used a lot, but are used in a way that give it so much color. 
I yeah, I, I try. Like I will look up like a thesaurus yeah. or something. <laughs> I will look up similes and metaphors. Like I will type into Google other ways to say blah. Blah. <laughs> and whichever one I like the most, I will take that sentence and then I will alter it however I need to to make it rhyme, to make it fit with the rhyme scheme of the song, even if it's cutting a word out. Like, if there's, like, the word the is in there somewhere, I will take that word out or something, you know? Yeah, I, I, I will I will look up similes and metaphors really, as often as possible. Really, really good advice, honestly, when it comes to uh, writing lyrics. Um, but the biggest thing is go with what you feel. Okay. You know? Don't, yeah. we just let, let the music speak to you and I feel like that should be an easier thing if it's stuff that you you know that you yourself are creating like it's hard for me to write it with like with writing with Beneath it was sort of easy Mm -hmm. because I helped Jesse rework all of those songs that we recorded together and then writing the hip hop stuff that is difficult because I'm not creating these beats I'm just scrolling through a catalog online trying to to find one and when I find a beat that sounds okay I listen to it and if I feel a good vibe with it, then I buy it. And then I listen to it again and again, and then the process starts. Okay. What well, does it feel uh, like? And you're gonna you're gonna gloss over the fact that you burped halfway through your sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to gloss over that, damn it. That was such a rick thing to do, dude. <laughs> that was so badass. <laughs> it just turned into an episode of Rick and Morty, everyone. Oh yeah. That's just great. Extre- oh yeah. It's just- <laughs> That was so cool. I like uh, how casual you were with it too. I just, just it's just how that's. Uh, uh. <laughs> I thought that it was more subtle than it apparently really was, so I was trying to play it Dude, off. Dude, you're, you're doing a <laughs> podcast with me. I want to catch stuff like that, man. Come on. <laughs> that was great. That oh, was great. Shit, but yeah, just you know, go with what you feel with everything. Let the music speak to you. And, you know, the way that I, if I tell people is just the, 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 the songs will tell you what they want to be about. Okay. And, you know, just internalize that, channel it, and then everything will just kind of flow. Okay. Oh, I, I, really, I really do appreciate that advice. It's like, like I said, um, just more lyrics is, I wouldn't say it's like too much for me. Mm-hmm. It's just more of like, I just didn't, I didn't know how to approach it. Yeah. Like, writing the music, obviously, is just I gotta be in the right mindset when I write it and stuff. I gotta know what instrument I'm gonna is, is gonna be the core, yeah. Uh, like like vocal or like you know, audio point of the song. Yeah. Um, is it gonna have drums? Is it gonna have percussion? Uh, is it just gonna be violins? Is it just gonna be you know piano stuff like that? You know. Yeah. Um, and even with. Uh, um, with with the emotion that I'm trying to get at, especially with what happened, mm-hmm. um, somber sounds yeah. obviously would suffice. It's not like I'm gonna be playing uh, like clown sounds and like weird happy stuff in a major key <laughs> while I'm talking about loss. Like yeah, that that's just psychotic. That's in like some way. <laughs> that's like early two thousands pop punk right there, oh, and that's God. that's not that's the vibe I go for, that's not scary. the vibe that you would that's go for. Scary. <laughs> oh, no. Why don't we talk about something serious? I mean, the music's got to be deep and serious, and you got to feel it on a on a on a multi dimensional level. Yeah, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be like, yay loss, yay loss, <laughs> I lost someone close to me. You know, it's like that's just. 
creepy man that's like something you hear in a nightmare yeah right that's that's some that's some disturbing like 70s kind of <laughs> shit dude yeah you don't want to do that but yeah um maybe look at it look at writing lyrics the same way that you do with writing the music itself okay you know okay. finding what the core of it's gonna be is there gonna have you know what's the rhyme scheme gonna be is like what kind of instrument is it gonna be there is it gonna have screaming vocals do you want to have another person on it do you want it to be just you try looking at writing lyrics the same way that you write the music itself that you create the songs them, uh, itself and then you know kind of just internalize that and you know again just go with what you're feeling you know uh this whole time we haven't really talked about how i approached drumming you know what that's a fair point i think we we touched on on your history mm-hmm. with drumming and then we just spent a lot of time talking about fireglass and we didn't actually really delve into your whole creative process yet which is like kind of the core point of the podcast as a whole. <laughs> and I, we totally just fucking glossed over it. So this is what happens when I don't have pre-scripted questions. Dude, dude. honestly, it's, I think it's okay <laughs> to wing it though. Like there's, there's some, you gotta admit, if I'm going to listen back to this, you did some good material, Gabe. You did good. You did good. Okay. I, I'm going to leave that in, in the editing just for you. You did good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so with, to go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. You can. You so can. with with the way that this is going, honestly, with this so much, and we're not even anywhere near done talking yet. This is probably going to end up being a two part episode, so that'll be cool. Um, but yeah, let's let's dive into let's let's get back on the core actual meat of this fucking show. This whole <laughs> idea that I built this podcast around. <laughs> so with approaching um, with approaching the way that you did. Your, um, that you wrote your drum parts for the songs with Fireglass and, you know, when you did the background vocal parts and doing the um, backing tracks and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, from, like, pre, um, pre-college, you know, when you, when you talked about being in that band that eventually became Shattered Systems and whatnot. What was your writing process back then? How much did it change from being in college? And then what was your writing process as a whole? when it came to uh when it came to fireglass okay okay so i know that's um, a lot so just no 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 um it actually it gives me give me some good pointers um so before i went to school um like i kind of elaborated um way way back earlier um when i would listen to music uh i would listen to say the guitarist would write something right Mm. Uh, it's usually it's usually when it comes to the writing process when it comes to the whole band um you got that one person that has the just a mind that just spills ideas out constantly constantly and they have to record everything um so the guitarist would come in with like a whole ver a uh, whole verse a whole riff um and then i would listen back to that riff or if we're practicing i would have him play the riff listen to the riff a couple times um, and then try to incorporate the tempo um, how fast does it feel it needs to be or how slow does it feel it needs to be um, and then overall feel like what surfaces do I really have to play on mm-hmm. do I really need to play on the right cymbal do I really need to play on the hi-hat do I you know just do this jungle beat on the, the toms do is it is it a lead up to another riff? Um, so that, that's how I, I approached it prior, um, and because I didn't have a lot of knowledge of what I was doing, it was more of like 
Okay, so what do I know how to do from what I've heard so far from music that I listen to?、Mm-hmm. And honestly, the guitarist would give me, because they, they, would, they would listen to a lot of prog music, so the guitarist would give me a lot of ideas. And so I would have to go over it with him. It's like, okay, so what, what do you mean by, by, by this groove? <clears throat> and he would kind of elaborate on it and he would just kind of count with on, on a string. And then, and then it kind of clicked on me. Like, so it was, it was more of like as I was creating, I was learning along the way because it was new stuff that was completely foreign to me. It was the complexity was just beyond my comprehension. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> I, I actually stopped. I burped. You did the Rick burp. All right, red, red flag, burped. I burped. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me.、Um, yeah, so like I didn't know what I was doing half the time. So when I were, whenever I would actually write my drum parts, I basically just like, I, 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 I based a lot of my drumming grooves off of the timing. So if it was a weird time, it wasn't just 4 4. Um, it was a, like it's 7 8 or like 9 8 or some weird number.、Um, 7 32 or some shit. Jesus. <laughs>、uh, I would basically use the, the, the simplistic of counting because,、like, like I said, I didn't know a lot of when it came to like odd meters or like just how to approach, even with drumming. Like, there's just so much that you can do with it.、Um, I just used the basics of what I knew and I just based it off of like. The music I listened to, which was straight 4 4 or, you know, I guess in a, in a sense like mainstream, easier to listen to music. Yeah. So I used that knowledge of what I initially had and approached it that way. If it didn't add up and it didn't sound good, then I would have to redo the whole thing again or use some aspect of it. That way, it can make it fit and maybe cut myself off like halfway through the groove so it fits with the actual riff. Sometimes, It didn't work, but it was, there was some beauty in the mistake. And I'll, I'll listen back to like my old stuff, like old、uh, like、written stuff that I did,、mm-hmm. and sometimes it didn't work, which was kind of crazy because I didn't realize that what I was doing at the time was something that in prog music a lot of people do. Yeah. So、um, it worked in my favor, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when I went to school, Um, I then knew and learned what I was doing wrong and then expanded on that idea. So I was trying to hone that skill of like, is it a mistake? Can I turn this mistake into something that I can use potentially in the song?、Um, is there some surface that I can do specifically that matches the guitar?、Um, or am I just doing straight 16th notes on my kick drum? Am I just doing a straight beat? That goes over the weird timing of the guitar, which will then add up again on the one again. Like I said, it, it, when I went to school, like, my revenue of like, broadness of music just like, expanded to a whole、uh, a multiverse dimension where it's like, dude, like, I didn't know that you can do that to this. I didn't know that you can do that to this. I'm gonna use that. I like the way this sounds, so I'm gonna put this in the song. <laughs> So that was basically what I did in, 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 in school. And then when I approached Fireglass, it was completely different. 
because the music that I was initially playing was so complex that I need to I needed to be on point with what I was playing. If I didn't, then it would screw up because a lot of the the instruments basically depended it on the drums. It's usually always the aspect, you know, the drums is the heart of the band. Yeah. It's the beat of the band. And Fireglass was far from like complex or prog. Yeah, yeah. So I needed to make my drumming not simplistic but enough to where it it made sense with the music Mm -hmm. because if it was too complicated i don't know if you've seen all those memes and all those uh those uh videos of like uh, people that are overly qualified for the gig and the drummer's just doing random crap and the music is so simple that's that's what i didn't want to do (laughs) i didn't want to be that guy flipping sticks and just shitting on all the surfaces doing my drum solo while the guitarist is looking at me like dude what are you doing and then you while you would probably look at me like uh do i sing now do i scream like are you gonna stop soloing right (laughs) so i had i had to approach the music and what it needed and that was definitely something that i didn't really learn when i was in school mm-hmm. it was something that i definitely need that that i learned as i was in fireglass okay um because every song and every band has got their own specific sound to it right so if not everyone is on board to the sound to what the what the, the song is trying to portray or, or what it's trying to feel mm-hmm. then something will fall off yeah do you remember showtime showtime no no i i don't So what? Is Showtime was Showtime one of one of like the old songs? Was it a song that we had written or was attempting to write when I was there? What? It was. uh, It was actually. (laughs) I think it's funny. Showtime was the the song that um, we we performed actually a couple times when we were playing at the event, Uh, and then it turned into Club XS, I think. Um, But that was basically our opener, and. We didn't know what to do with the song because it sounded all over the place. No, no, it doesn't ring I, any bells. I don't like it. I feel like it's there. I can feel it in my head, but I cannot remember. Like I definitely remember a song called "Showtime," but I do not remember performing it. I do not remember anything that I did vocally. <laughs> I don't remember what lyrics could have been. I can't remember what it sounded like. Like I, I, we got, I gotta look through like YouTube videos now and I, try to find this song, dude, I, because I can't remember. I feel like that'd probably be the best way, the the best uh, version of the song that we had it because it was kind of complete, I guess, in some way. But the the, the rough version is uh, I have it in email. And uh, that was when we were just kind of practicing. We were just kind of going over the set. Mm-hmm. And you remember the that little uh, EQ thing that I had off to the side, and we were able to record something on a little SD, a little tiny that like Tascam thing or the other. I'm not sure what it was. It wasn't the one that I was using for uh, backing tracks and my my uh, Britney Spears head, head, headset. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> it was the one with the uh, that that recorded. Uh, it was when when we first started. Okay, as, yes, as, it was it was a it was the little Tascam. Is that what it was? Yeah, okay. I remember that. Um so yeah, we recorded the uh the the like I guess in in some sense it was like the first like set list that we did for our live performances. And the one song that we had which was the opener was called Showtime. 
God, I wish I could remember <laughs> this, dude, but I really don't. So what I'm trying to get at is this song we scrapped completely to the point where you don't remember it. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> because it didn't say, it didn't make sense. It didn't make it made no sense. And at the time, like it was just kind of like riffs that we just kind of like picked and choose and and kind of meshed together. We tried and make it sound like something. Oh man, I wish I can I wish I can like mock the riff. But uh it was it was it was like a like a jazzy, I guess a groovy type of sound oh do we gotta we, we definitely gotta bring up the youtube video but yeah, it was it was like i said it. it was that was one song that we completely we scrapped completely like it was in the live set but we completely scrapped it because it just did not feel like fireglass at that, the time it didn't sound like fireglass at all that sounds vaguely familiar but i just i cannot for the life of me remember anything about that song uh and then there was uh sack sack dragon <laughs> I remember Sack Dragon a little bit. That one, it never ultimately became anything. And then yeah. there was Whopper Jr. Whopper Jr. <laughs> uh, the only one that like I like that these are all these are all the beginning like the the working titles for all of the songs before there's lyrics and stuff to them. And everything changed, like title like the titles for everything became real, uh, except for Marshmallow Pig. Yeah, yeah. Never. Yeah, we we wrote this. You guys had the music for it, and then Break and I divided it up, and we had our respective parts, and then we added the parts for you in between too, where you you said like no no time for peace or something like that. It was during a part where Vacate it was like with haste. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And you know we divided up everything. We wrote everything. We had it set. We were playing it as our closer, but I I just I remember debating so much among the among all of us about what the fuck we were going to call this oh song God, dude. and we could not agree on anything nothing fit there was not one title <laughs> that any of us fully agreed on and eventually we were just like fuck it let's just keep it marshmallow pig and i feel like that was part of the draw for it because whenever i would say because we talk about the song, right? Like we're, we're on stage, mm -hmm. and I was usually the one who talked about the songs in between the sets after break did, whatever break did, <laughs> and I would talk about the song as like you know this is a song that's about uh, you know it's about anybody who's just been a self righteous asshole or something, and you know there's a part in the middle of the song where you're gonna want to flip us off, and I want to feel it. I want to feel the fingers flying at me and shit. And you know I always built it up as like something intense as you know the song is going to be called We Hate You Please Die or some shit like that. And always like and this is our last song Marshmallow Pig. <laughs> and I remember the first couple times that we played it before people like understood it and whatnot that like oh, yeah. they people would laugh at the title and they would look at us like we were on drugs or something. <laughs> And then it goes into the song. I don't remember how Marshmallow Pig started. I just I remember the verse riff that CJ wrote. That's right. Okay, I do remember now. Yes. And then it had that weird. And then it finally led into the groove. Yeah. And like, because whenever we got into that, because that song had so many just levels like going on all at once on it. But that song, aside from Deadweight, like got people like there was there were pits. Yeah. And it was awesome. And it was just, it was so much fun. But 
God, I wish we had officially released that song. You know, it's funny. It's funny you bring up that uh, when you would announce the song. I remember every single time you would announce the song, and immediately after you would say "Marshmallow Pig." I didn't know that this that that was what the reaction of the the, the crowd would give. Like they would laugh and look at us like, "What oh, the yeah. fuck is wrong with you?" Um, but every time that you would announce the song and say "Marshmallow Pig," every single time, I'm I'm not kidding you. I remember every single time you you would say. I promise this is a lot heavier than you think it is. Yes, that's Every right. Every single time. <laughs> and I would I, I would mouth every single time. Immediately after Marshmallow Pig. Like, I, I, promise, this, I promise this is really heavier than you think it is. Yes, because I... And I would say it in the back. <laughs> oh, shit. I never knew that. That's fantastic. Because I, I always felt that the name of the song was so misleading that I needed to clarify <laughs> that this is a real aggressive song. This isn't going to be like something off like this isn't going to be a huge departure you know from anything Sunshines that we did and flowers yeah and marshmallow pigs. <laughs> it's not going to be some kind of sunny <laughs> and shares <laughs> oh god in blues <laughs> got the pig <laughs> Do you imagine if it was like that? That would be that would have been hilarious. Going to just some fucking black metal Demo Borgare shit with it. Do you remember the fucking how we chose to tease it? Or I think you brought it up how we were teasing it when we were recording it. Oh, it was the the Family Guy episode. Yes, with, with the, the really the jacked pig. He's just like oink, and they punches Brian in the Stewie, face. Stewie, would you like to see my pig? It's just oink. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was perfect, too. It fit just so goddamn well, man. Oh, man. We were so close to releasing that song. It would have been perfect. I wish I knew. Do you know what happened to it? Because I only ever heard the first cut, and then it just died. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I think I mentioned to you before. Um, like, I, I have the email. I, have, I literally have, like, the second to f- final edit of the song. So the only thing that's, like, missing from the song... Well, that needed to be edited from the song was breaks parts uh there was like one verse that was like completely cut out for some weird reason we told alex about it and he's like oh shit you know i i don't i i, I did he, he was confused and where it was and we had he had to keep telling him over and over again he still was confused and where what gap it, there was no lyrics in mm-hmm. um and then your vocal parts it was there was uh, unnecessarily chopped up um like it sounded robotic hmm it was weird, like, uh, like yeah, I remember weird, the lyrics that you that you had in the beginning, but it was chopped up, like you can tell it was chopped up, like the words were just kind of like placed, huh? As opposed to just flowing naturally. Yeah, because I didn't sing it, I didn't do my vocals like small section by small section. Yeah. I did my whole my whole parts cohesively. Um, I'm assuming what he did was uh, he used what takes that you did and kind of like. Picked and choose oh, like the best parts. Okay, yeah, maybe. And then put them in place. I, I remember having I remember having some issues um, vocally with recording that song. Yeah, the song the song like uh, melody wise was really uh, hard to get down. There and wasn't there wasn't even so much of like an actual melody to it. Like I, there was very little like singing like actual singing with it it was screaming and then what i would consider just like aggressive talking yeah 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 that, that, that's why i kind of that's how i approached my my vocals in that song though too is i, I, think- I did have a little bit of vocals like kind of melody here here or there but it was a little bit easier because uh cj's parts 
were were chord based wise. Remember he was. Yeah, I remember that because it was like a, it was like an octave part, and then it went to like something heavy after that. Because when he was doing that jump uh, like that, that was when you had your parts, mm-hmm. and then after that was when me and Break mm-hmm. were like yelling something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that that I felt like the the verses that you had. Like, I feel like that was one of the things that we wanted to go back to do again, to try to fix up the, your, your, your verse parts, like mm-hmm. the beginning verse parts. Um, but that was basically it. The song was done. Like, uh, I'm, I was so proud of, of the, the stupid, like, high-pitched singing that I was, that did towards the end of the song. And I always go back to that too, the Oh, that's right. You had that like you started yeah. off with like yeah, yeah that like and you crescendoed it up to that power metal yeah. thing. Yeah, I remember that. Cause it fits so well with it. And I remember the first couple times that we did that we played that song when you added that in there, I remember hearing like a really good crowd response to that. Yeah. And at first people thought it was me. But when they would look and I'm not like, you know, trying to fit into leather pants or grabbing my balls <laughs> to fucking sing that high. <laughs> like they knew that it was you. And I remember oh, so many people like really digging that in the beginning. Like when we when we first started doing it. And I, I remember immediately after that, I think it was uh, an, another F you, another fuck you right after that. But then I brought the, evo- the, the aggressive vocals that I had in What's Done Is Done back for that fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I carried that fuck you after you guys had said it, after everyone had said it. You remember that? I think so. That sounds familiar fuck too. Yeah. You. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I that was like, that. I was like, dude, like that, that, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. I'm so, I'm so happy with myself. <laughs> I'm never gonna be able to choose something like that again. <laughs> so, all right. So the last, last bit of stuff to, uh, to touch on, like aside from the obvious um you know issues that we had within you know within the band and you know the way that everything went and whatnot are are there anything is there anything that you you would have liked to try when we were doing fireglass that we didn't get to because you know we had we had a bunch of other songs that we were working on that we that never fully saw the light of day there was that one song that was supposed to be an opener that we were writing a story about to be immortal yeah and then we had shattered sanity that was it we played it live a few times but it it never it was it was recorded but it was never released and i know we had another song with it and then you know all the stuff that happened and like even like after after i left because you were still there for a bit. You got the other piece of shit who took over, and you guys did. Uh, you guys did the Red Rum music video, which I never fully watched. I tried. I tried. I got maybe halfway through it and was just like, "This is atrocious. I can't do it." But is there anything? Um, is there anything that you would have wanted us to have tried or revisited or something during the time that Fireglass was alive that maybe you know we didn't get to do? Um, honestly, I think with the, the songs that we did create, um, it was, I think the newer songs that just never saw the light of day was Break You Down, uh, uh To I Be Immortal, um, Frontline, 
Yeah, um, I remember Frontline. That one was a really break-heavy song. Yeah. And we were in the middle of, like, putting it all together at the yeah, time. Yeah, like, there was a lot of songs that just... It got clouded, right, with rapping. It just got clouded with... Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say it right, right here and there. It got clouded with one person's vision as opposed to all of our visions. Yeah, I, I think... I think that overall with it, like, at least from my view of it, and I know that I'm, I'm just as guilty of it, too. Like, we all agreed that we wanted to take a break. Mm-hmm. We were touring constantly. Mm-hmm. We were playing shows every fucking 10 minutes. We were trying to say, like, we all said it. We need to stop and we need to focus on writing the next EP or putting out a full length. But every time we got offered shows, everybody was like, yes, let's fucking do it. Mm-hmm. And then we come back from the show and we're just like, we're fucking burnt out. We need to stop. But we kept going anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm just as guilty of that as, 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 as the rest of you guys are because I agreed to it all too, even though I knew that we all needed a break, that I needed a break. And it was just, it was, it was so much. We had gotten, we had gotten that taste, I guess, of success, of becoming, you know, one of the best. I don't want to, I don't know if that's like too presumptuous to say. say up and coming best local bands. Like, But we, we were making waves like hardcore in, uh, in, in, in Arizona by ourselves and then when adding um, everything else that we had done with it, like the touring that we did, and then getting in really close with Lethal and stuff, mm-hmm. like it really shot us to uh, it really shot us to that next level. And we got a taste of it with you know uh, with the labels, the three labels that were looking at us. Um, we just, I think that we just we got ahead of ourselves, and you know it was the closest we had ever come. Probably any of us ever would have come to to achieving that goal to achieving that dream of doing this for a living and we just couldn't let it go yeah no it was it was uh it was over ambitious we got we got i wouldn't say all of us got a little over ambitious um because like i said it was uh it was at, at one aspect it was we're all on board right mm-hmm. we we're all for this uh we can we can feel us getting burnt out a little bit at we were just at a point where we were all feeling like we were getting a little burnt out we take little breaks and then we still went right back into another show where we you know practice on the same songs over and over again and it wasn't just me that was getting burnt out cj was getting burnt out our guitarist oh yeah um, he was having like a full-on like crisis yeah dude he didn't even want to pick up a guitar like, he, he was just, well, he, he was done to be fair you know to his credit though too cj was only 18 he had like no other than being in Fireglass. He had no real uh, like direction in life. Yeah, you know, and he didn't know what he wanted to do with himself, and he wanted to take time to figure that out. Yeah, and, you know, for being as young as he is, I don't think there's a problem with that. Mm-mm. So I mean, that was a uh, that was one aspect that was starting to tip us over. Um, even the tension between the band uh, was was starting to build up a little bit more. We're at each other's throats. Oh yeah, that that definitely got worse over time. Um, and then uh, it was just, like I said, it was just that we were starting to become a little too over ambitious. Uh, I mean, I, I got to give Matt for pulling all of his weight for everything that he was doing for Fireglass. I know at at this time, at this current time, he is burnt out, like uh, completely burnt out of doing everything. I believe it. All of his socials are gone. I I spoke to him recently. 
uh, he's just burnt out, man. Like, he's, he's tired. He's tired of people dropping in and out of fire glass. He's, uh, he's, I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell him that I've already told him many, many, many times before, you know? And it's just like, dude, like, if it's going to be fire glass, then find the musicians that are going to be there, that are going to stay. Yeah. Uh, if, you know, if one person's going to stay in that band specifically even though majority of everyone else has left and it's only you only you and this other person then i i feel like maybe you should put hit the race reset button man and it's the only thing you can do like i mean there's no more red flags that could be thrown in your face than what you've already had so far uh you can book so many tours but you're gonna lose a lot of money when you don't have any material for you to tour with you know and that was one thing that i told him i was like dude like why are you going to the show it it was the tour right that uh that they went on right after you had left Mm -hmm. uh, when we had planned for that tour before you had left and um and i told him i was like dude i can't request this time off like i'm sorry i can't i can't go on this tour like and he was telling me is that like yeah like this show canceled this show canceled this is happening this is happening i was like matt you need to pull the tour what are you only going to perform in front of three or four different people for like four different cities when you have like 10 places to go to like don't do that pull it what yeah. what what revenue are we going to lose like what net worth are we going to use if we never spend the money to even use it to begin with we need to build that reputation to make sure that we go to these places that way they they come to see us that's how it works now we can't just show up to a place and expect multiple people to show up and have all these people love our music because at the end of the day, our music isn't for everyone. Yeah. So, you know, having a rapper and a vocalist, not everyone likes new music, new metal. Not everyone likes rap metal. And it's making a little more of a comeback now. It's, it's you know, kind of bled into other genres. Things have sound a little bit different. It's, it's evolved from what it was. But when it comes down to, like, people coming to see a headliner that's a death metal band and you got a new metal band, they're going to call us a bunch of little posers because we got rapping and it's not as heavy as their death metal band that they're dude we played with like bands in every other like subgenre and rock <laughs> like possible like i, I know that you dude. were you were so overly excited for playing with like Aiken and stuff but we did not <laughs> was, belong on that, that was not our water that was no, our water dude not even at the same all. ocean <laughs> um do you are there any uh uh oh before I get to this last question. Let's discuss, um, however briefly, let's discuss the process of shooting the video for What's Done is Done. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, that was uh, that was an experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so how, how long was it when we prepared for it before we actually went out to San Diego? I, it was like a week, maybe two weeks. I think we spent a week or two attempting to quote unquote storyboard it. Yeah, so we're, we're trying to uh, write the blueprints of what was going to happen, of what we wanted to portray in the, in the song, in each scene video. and stuff. And like, yeah. yeah, like we we had an idea for it, and it was supposed to be based. It was the whole, it was supposed to be based around what I wrote lyrically, and you know, with with that song being. That song is about, it's about a relationship I was in in my early 20s that didn't pan out. 
and you know it's about moving on from that relationship that's the whole point with you know the chorus of the song there's nothing to say you know that's why it's called what's done is done you know no more drowning in misery i can't even remember all the lyrics to my own song <laughs> it's been a while that, that hurts me <laughs> wow but no turning back what's done is done yeah you know and uh, like i want you to be a memory like it, it was supposed to be the 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 whole idea was supposed to be uh, a based around the lyrics for that song, and it was supposed to be a visual representation of what I wrote about. And we were trying to get it figured out. We had the the beginnings of it planned when we were utilizing uh, Sean from Kill Your Name mm-hmm. in it and everything. And then uh, we go to San Diego, and we start to shoot the video. And then we had a plan for the first half of the video was to be at at the house it was supposed to be at sean's house telling the story mm-hmm. and then the end of it from cj's guitar solo on was supposed to be at the beach yeah and the process of shooting the video started off really funky at least in, in my opinion i think it started off really weird because we were trying to we had a vision and then when we got there and we are the ones in control of of the video and whatnot everybody just kind of stopped yeah like it, it was almost like uh, like everyone or the, the the camera guy was just kind of like doing things for us and he, and he didn't know what we were gonna do either yeah so it was just like uh yeah it's it's gonna be here and and i i remember uh vividly that i i, I told him like yeah we'll, we'll start it right here you know you guys can be sitting down on the couch, the controllers, the playing yeah, PlayStation or something. They're they're playing video games. They're spending time together as a couple, and it's it's a one sided situation where uh, he's trying he's trying she... to yeah he's trying to have her engage in this uh, this this intimate moment together, but she just doesn't really give a shit, and she's just kind of like cold giving him a cold shoulder the whole time. Yeah. So then it escalates to something else. And it ends up going outside, and then it ends up. We we were gonna use his uh, his Mustang, weren't we? We were gonna we use have his... him peel out and tall yeah, ass. I think we had some idea like that. Like we had a lot of really over the top ideas with it. Like I like the the way that it ultimately played out. I thought was really cool with the flashbacks. Yeah, like and that. Everything. That that I liked. I liked what 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 we had, and it still worked. We improvised what we had, and I and I and I liked how it ended up being which it it kind of panned out to be pretty pretty damn good it did it was really fun um it was tiring i didn't think that shooting a music video was going to be <laughs> that fucking exhausting but it really was and um i know like when we you were the one who started to take control of of the shoot and everything and everyone was like looking at me to kind of direct it because it was it was my song and i just i didn't know like i felt so uh, I don't. I guess I was really insecure, you know, and I didn't want to like take charge because I didn't feel like I was worthy of it or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember, I remember, uh, I remember very clearly that I, I had specifically said, "Come on, guys! Like, you like I can't be doing this all on my own. Like, yeah. I know you guys. We all discussed this together. Like, I don't want to be. I don't want to like step on anyone's toes." And break just snaps at me and be like. You know, you're going to be talking to me like that. You know, I was just like, dude, I'm not your child. Like, I wanted to tell him, like, I'm not your child. You're going to snap at me like that, like you're my father. What the hell? Yeah. And Sean pulled me to the side and he was like, dude, you're going to let him talk to you like that? And I was like, honestly, 
I just I don't I don't give a shit, dude. I really don't care. But it, it I think that was uh that that was another thing that just kind of it was it was starting to get worse and worse as time went on. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, dude, even with Red Rum's music video, he yeah. took full control. The- full control of the entire music video, and I let him I let him have his way. I let him I let him do whatever what he what he, what he wanted to do. He had no experience in video editing, even though I I have the program and I've dealt with it before, and I even made a lyric mu- music video for Deadweight, mm-hmm. and I even did the little teaser of when we released uh, "What's Done Is Done" with the little yeah. orchestra background where it was like zooming in with uh, Sean and Chantel in that uh, that flashback and everything. Yeah, I remember and, that, dude. I was just like, I know I know how to approach this, like. And he was just like, no, I want to do it. And I was like, okay, if you want to do it, that's, that's, that's on you. I was, that's when I was getting to the point where I was just like, I'm, I'm starting to really not want to be in this band anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is right after you left. And the, when we, when we sh- went to go shoot red rum, um, I was telling him, I was like, guys, I'm running a fever. I'm, I'm not feeling good today. And they invited a bunch of people over, not a bunch of people. It was just a handful of people over to make it like a party song like the song was originally um i mean still kind of feel like the song could have been a little more lyrically could have had a little more of a message behind it considering the song was called red rum you know the that song in particular was really hard for me to write lyrically because um break had the idea to make it um, a party song, but also, you know, have, you know, having a party and the things that we were saying as, as, uh, um, as a meat, as a, what the fuck am I trying to think? Similes, metaphors, whatever, alternative methods of saying, you know, what the song was actually about, which mm-hmm. is about fucking murder. Yeah. And well, I could get behind the idea of writing, you know, a song that's veiled and, you know, having what the real message is behind it and whatnot. I was just writing a party song was, was really hard for me to do because I don't write like that. I don't <laughs> like to write, you know, some kind of party anthem bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I, I like my lyrics to have a lot more substance. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard for me to do it. I don't know if you remember this. I don't know if you were awake for it, but we were in Phoenix, we were in San Diego one day and this is before we were we had even recorded Red Rum. We were we were playing I don't remember if it was Sean's birthday one year that we we drove out to San Diego to play with Kill Your Name or what, but we were out in San Diego to play a show and we were chilling that night and I was talking, we were discussing Red Rum and I, w- I had expressed to everybody that I was having a hard time trying to, um, trying to figure out how to approach it because it's not my style of writing. Yeah. And I had suggested to break because I got the idea from watching Lethal and stuff. And, you know, Rascal just does his rapping thing, but then John Russell comes up and he just does pretty much everything. Yeah. Raps and stuff too. And this was where I had first had an interest in rapping myself. And I had brought it up to break and I asked him, I was like, you know, with you doing, um, because he does like the weird, he attempts to yell and scream and stuff when we play live because he strains his voice too hard. Um, I I had suggested to him, like, look, I'm, I'm having trouble trying to figure out the proper way to sing this song and how to approach it, you know, vocally from my aspect and everything because of the riff that CJ had. Like, what if let's, let's, you know, let's branch out a little more and I wanted to try 
doing some like rap kind of stuff. So I asked him, I was like, how would you feel about that? How would you feel if I stepped into that, you know, domain a little bit? Cause I, I wanted to try it. And he just looked at me like I was on drugs, like very much so against the idea of me stepping into his domain. What? Yeah. So I was just, it just left it at that. And I never brought it up again. Wow. But I, I talked to him specifically about it because he was the other vocalist. He was the rapper. So I didn't want to overstep my boundary with it. Um, but I wanted to pose it, uh, you know, to bring it up to him because I wanted to, I wanted to branch out as a vocalist and as a lyricist. And I wanted to try doing more. And I felt like writing it in a different headspace with a different means of, of delivery, you know, might make it a little bit easier for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just, I was curious. I wanted to do more than just, you know, yelling at the mic. Yeah. And yeah, it, it didn't go over very well. So I just, I never did it. And eventually Red Rum became, you know, what it was. And then Damn. how it changed after I left. Damn. That's, I didn't know that. Yeah. It was, uh, it was not fun. It wasn't a fun discussion to have. And after the reaction that I got from it and everything, I was like, all right, I'm just going to stay in my lane and just do my thing. And that, like, feeling stifled creatively was a problem that I had with being in the band because I wanted to, I wanted to do, you know, a lot of other stuff. I wanted to play, I wanted to try playing bass guitar and then doing vocals again because I miss playing bass guitar. And I know my play style is a lot different mm-hmm. than Matt's was because I play with a pick. Mm-hmm. I can play with my fingers. I just don't like to. But um, I wanted to, I wanted to branch out. I wanted to explore. I wanted to do more. And not being able really, not really necessarily being able to do that because nobody's going to know if I don't fucking talk about it. But after that one time when I tried to like branch out creatively and being shot down for it, I just, I never brought it up again, but I I wanted to do more. I wanted to branch out and try different stuff, but I didn't feel like I could talk to to you guys about it because the one time I got shot down for it. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to remember something now because uh, the question that you asked earlier, um, it feels like one thing that uh, I wish you could have done uh, when we're, we're all together as in, in like Fire, Fireglass Prime. Yeah. Um, do you remember that song uh, that sounded like that Deftones song idea? Vaguely. Had? It was just going to have you in it. I do remember, was, yeah, because we were splitting it up because um, Break had... Uh, Frontline frontline and that mm-hmm. was going to be like primary it was going to be adjust him and to balance out that new part of everything we were starting to write another song that was that was just uh that was just me mm-hmm. yes I, I i do sort of remember that i don't remember what it sounded like fully but i do remember that being uh i guess the compromise between both because he was he had brought frontline to the table and he was really set on like having it be just him yeah. i was fine with that you know, any chance that I could get to rest my voice in between, you know, sets and stuff, totally cool. And, you know, we were going to do, we were going to do that other song with me being the only one to balance it out. So, you know, it was even, because that was one thing that we tried to do was to keep things, um, you know, even with it as much as we could Mm -hmm. between what Break and I did. Yeah, if it was, if it's definitely one thing that I wish you could have done, finished up, um, which it was an easy song like it, it would have been done and recorded relatively quick mm-hmm. uh definitely that song definitely that song um like i i i like the way that song sounded and 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 even even to further uh expand on what i wish we could have done was 
least shattered sanity the way we wanted it to be. Oh, I know. Dude, I, I dude, okay, so I still have uh, the recording with Becca when I, I recorded vocals with her at the very end of the song. On on the shattered sanity. Oh, okay, no, that's right. I remember now. I I really wanted that song to come out because I feel like, you know, subject matter wise, uh, I feel like it was the heaviest one. You know, I don't know how Break approached it on his end, but I feel like on my end, it was the most vulnerable that I had ever allowed myself to be on the song. I had connected with the song a lot though too, especially with the backing tracks. You know, with with um, violins and stuff like just I don't I don't know what it was about like a um the just the the melody the note choices that I used um even even with the 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 main line that we used through the song mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't even really necessarily call it the, the chorus would it be the chorus which part I will let my shattered sanity consume me that was more um I think I would call that like a post-chorus. Would it be a post? Yeah, I think it was so. Right after, because the 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 initial chorus I think was that uh, it started off with break. with break with the four walls closing in, and then oh yeah, actually, my part was like I was talking about being trapped in there. It was like mm-hmm. I can't find my way out, and everywhere I look, the the walls are all around, or something like that. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people that really liked that song. And, you know, being, allowing myself to be that level of vulnerable with writing that song is what helped, you know, me move forward with writing, you know, my hip hop music the way that I do, because I'm very vulnerable on that. But with, with writing Shattered Sanity and being the first time that I was really open about my struggles with my mental health, you know, that's, that's what my vocal parts in that song were about. It was about me dealing with my depression and my anxiety and just how much of a fucking nightmare it was yeah dude uh, if we if we had a, if we had definitely approached the song uh at a, at a at a later time maybe or maybe a different time maybe earlier yeah regardless um where where you were in the right mental state to record your vocal lines because i know everyone was like yeah his vice's vocal parts were not the best and he didn't put his 100 percent into it and it's just like it's probably because he's dealing with shit you know, he's yeah. got a lot of shit he's got to deal with right now, and ironically, this is we, we were dealing with a lot of shit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, if, uh, ultimately, it affected your your vocal takes. Oh, it did. It it one hundred percent negatively impacted my performance. Just the way that my life was outside of the band was absolute chaos, and I just I couldn't. I I didn't want I didn't want to fake it anymore. Yeah. You know, I needed I needed to address everything and. Yeah, it, it definitely shone through in my performances and whatnot. Yeah, so yeah, definitely that's one that's one song that I I dude uh I've been going over that song multiple times and really, really contemplating to ask Alex if he can give me the stems of the original take, uh that way we can re release it. I mean, as as a as a different version of the song. I'm like, I have no means of getting any any revenue from it. I don't want any revenue from it. I even asked Matt about it. I was like, oh, I'll release it under Fireglass, uh, but this is this version, I guess, like dark version or. I wouldn't even uh, need to be like under Fireglass like directly. Like I would. It'd be cool to revisit it and then 
like make the changes for it. Like mm-hmm. if if Brake's not around to do. Yeah, no, I separate. I wrote vocal parts for Brake's parts. Yeah. I legitimately wrote both vocal parts for it. I would be I would be super cool. Like I would definitely want to retract my vocals, and but I, I think that that would be fun. I think it'd be awesome if that's ever a thing that we could do. I'm, I'm sure there's got to be a way to make it happen. It can't yeah, be Yeah, it's, it's not hard to do. Because all I really got to... I mean, when it comes down to it, all I do is just ask Alex, like, hey, can I can I get the stems? Uh, can we re-record the song? But you also have to keep in mind, though, too, is it it is likeness of Fireglass. And because I'm not sure if Matt still has the band copywritten or it's trademark still, but they could still potentially sue us for re- releasing something that is of likeness of fireglass they could yeah there's a lot of one of the one of the good things that cj did was all those legal yeah all that legal shit um so even even when it comes down to uh like re-releasing a song we have to you you, got to make it clear and not only the description but the the song name itself is that this is a a version or remix yeah of the song that's way that way you don't get uh you know copywritten and yeah, yeah. for it um like i said we can legitimately release the song the way that it was um i mean granted we can take out the that 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 uh, little uh what was it like that group singing part that like cut off right after cj's guitar solo yeah okay, we can I take all they take that out and then add uh the way it was originally and then redo the chorus part at the, at the end the way I, I was wanting to do it but it never happened because uh when we brought everyone in everyone was way too high to figure out what the fuck was going on so it just yeah. completely crumbled the entire process and when i went in with just me and becca um in the booth while we were tracking our parts specifically that came out perfect that mm-hmm. very ending part where we're, we're singing i'll be free came out absolutely perfect that was the vision that I what I wanted the entire ending part to be mm-hmm. and that have you have that whole chaos and then you have perfection not not <laughs> literal perfection but, but pretty damn fucking perfect <laughs> and I was like dude like why why was it the rest of this song why didn't it sound like this like that was perfect that was good that's exactly what it needed to sound like yeah and Dude, I, I want to re-release the song with the backing tracks the way it's supposed to be, the violins, the orchestration, because, dude, when it when it comes down to it, my vision of what I what I seen it from reading your lyrics, uh, feeling the song, writing my parts, writing the drum parts, hearing CJ's guitars, um, just the overall feeling and what I what I envisioned and what the song was gonna be the music video could have potentially been mm-hmm. was just one literally one fucking room one room with a light light enough to light up to see what's going on in that room to have multiple people be in that same exact room dealing with many different mental uh illnesses mm-hmm. many different things and many different aspects whether it be uh, drug abuse alcohol abuse uh you know bipolar um schizophrenia depression anything because the whole the song in itself was basically a a huge light in regards to mental health yeah so why do you have to beat around the bush why do you have to have the band perform and be in front of the camera when you're trying to portray look 
this is what's going on in this world. This is real. Some people let it consume them. Some people are are able to keep fighting, and some people are able to overcome it. Yeah. And that's and that's the way I wanted the end the ending to be, is that we had that one line of. of which now that I think back to it, there was one line that was a lower line saying that I'm not good enough for this world. And then you also have, I won't let my shattered sanity consume me, which is the fighting aspect. Yeah. And then you have the very last line, I'll be free. And that's that cathartic. I'm, I'm released. I'm, I'm free of this. You know, I, I was able to overcome this. And that's what I wanted it to be is that have all these different scenarios in just one room, have all these people deal with like one something that uh, that happens to everyone in this world but is not shined upon so much and it's not even it, it's not as big as people make it to be which is sad yeah and realize not have that have that message portrayed like some people can't overcome it some people are still fighting to overcome it and some people have yeah and regardless of where you're at you're not alone I think that would have been a great idea for it. it. It would have really, like, it would have really been good, really, to just to spotlight, like, exactly what, you know, has been, well, you know, what was going on, you know, and and to showcase, you know, what what it was like legitimately about to have the people who are going through the things that Break and I wrote about, mm-hmm. you know, it would have been it would have been great. And I, yeah, right. I don't think it would have needed. I don't think it would have needed the band as a whole performing we could have you know those of us who wanted to be there to portray something you know we could have been a part of the crowd too if anything it would have made sense just to have the vocalists yeah you know just like you be in the corner of the room as you're as you're singing your part or you know be that that darkness that's screaming down at the person that's really just you know self-harming or something yeah and it it would have it would have been a controversial music video, clearly. That would have been for sure. But that's the whole point. It's the fucking truth. Yeah. It's happening. You know, you can't beat around the bush. You can't pretend like this isn't happening. And this is that's the thing with our society is that like, you, you everyone expects you to feel like you, everything is okay. Like you, you gotta be okay, whether you're a male or female. You just gotta be okay. You can just get over it. Apparently, that's how people think that this is how it is it's just like it's it's like a switch you can turn it on and off like i want to be depressed one day oh i know you know tomorrow i'm gonna be happy you know you just you can't do that it's just not possible it's not humanly possible as us as a as a human race we just we can't just deal with all of the the problems and 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 heartache and everything that's just going on we can't just like ignore anything that's going on so like having something that's that you know, in your face, dude, not only would we have people, you know, hating on it, but that hate would then turn into, well, I got to see what this is. Yeah. That's that, because that, when you have people, like, genuinely, like, having a, oh, this is, this is too much, this is too much, you're going to have, like, two or three other people and be like, what's too much? They're going to look, yeah. And then when they realize what it is, they're going to be like, this is, this is phenomenal, this is genius. Yeah. Because no. you don't see a lot of... Not a lot of bands do that. You didn't see it so much before. It's becoming more of a prevalent thing now. It is. It is. You know, honestly, yeah. years later, now that neither of us are in the music scene or you know as deeply anymore. But yeah, back when we were writing all this stuff, it, it wasn't a thing that was heavily. Uh, it wasn't a thing that was heavily talked about. Yeah. And you know that was one of the things that I wanted to change. I wanted to be open 
with you know just what it's like living this kind of a life what it's like to deal with it you know the good and the bad and yeah i I think it would have been it would have been a great idea to to showcase you know stuff like that and who knows maybe down the road we can figure out a way to make it happen still but after everything you know we've we've talked a lot this is probably going to be a a two-part episode because we've we've discussed so much i don't know how much (laughs) we've actually stayed on topic Oh, probably but. <laughs> never. <laughs> but, um, so anything, um, you know, final thoughts or anything that you want to throw in before we call it here, Gabe, you know? Um, I absolutely appreciate you, uh, you and the fan base that you have here for Writer's Block for, uh, inviting me onto this podcast, um, for letting me join this, uh, this, this, this beast <laughs> of, uh, of an idea, um, I really do appreciate it. Seriously, it's been fun talking and catching up again. Yeah, so man. it's yeah. I'm I'm glad that you were finally able to come on. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> so, but uh, anything else that you want to leave with, or wash your ass? Wash your ass. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I know. I don't. I don't know. Uh, a good. Uh, a, a good mo 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 mojo mo whatever the word words <laughs> um a good thing to live by i guess is uh don't stress too much i guess try not uh, to yeah it's a lot of things that happen i guess um trying to see the good in people uh even though there's a lot of bad in a lot of things yeah uh but I mean, it's kind of a given. It's yin and yang, man. You gotta have the good. You gotta have the bad. Yeah, they definitely go hand in hand. And uh, yeah, uh, it's been it's been fun. And uh, this is gonna be one hell of a thing to fucking edit, dude. <laughs> it's gonna take fucking forever, man. It's gonna be okay. It's but gonna, it's gonna be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, um, we have we have quite a history over the years and there's still plenty of things that like I wanted to discuss that we haven't yet yeah. so like yeah. more more than likely you will be back for a second Yay. sit down Yay. and you know we'll talk more about um you know different aspects of, of Fireglass and you know uh maybe talk about more of the other shows that we played and stuff and you know maybe maybe discuss what led to either of our like ultimate finale with the band and whatnot and you know after talking and everything for a bit i kind of want to reach out to matt and see if i can get him on the show too that would be interesting especially with the experience that he's had so yeah i'd definitely like to get him on maybe we'll do like a round table of like the three of us or that'd something be cool. that'd be cool you know? i'm down so i'll have to reach out to matt down the road and see i think i still have his phone number but yeah uh, it's been fun. This is t- so much content to fucking edit, but it'll be cool. It'll be worth it. I, I look forward to it. So, but yeah, uh, thanks for hanging out, Gabe. Thank it's... you, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> you Love know, you, everyone. It, it's it was it was a long time coming. You know, we hadn't actually hung out. I think properly since uh, since I not too long after I left Fireglass. Mm-hmm. So. You know, catching up and talking and, and getting, you know, other opinions, I guess, about the things that we did and whatnot. And then mostly just going off on our weird ass fucking tangents and shit because that's just that's just how it goes. But, you know, it's it's been fun and I'm, I'm glad that you were able to finally come on, dude. You know, it was it was a great time. It was a great conversation. 
and I look forward to this and this will be a fun one to uh to put out uh to the world so uh yeah uh say goodbye to the people bye everyone I'm gonna <laughs> hate my voice when I listen back to this <laughs> So, but thank you everybody for, for tuning in to this insanely massive, uh, what is ultimately going to be a two part episode of writer's block. Um, this, the first part should be out in about a week or so. And yeah, you know, I hope everybody enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I definitely want to go into more down the road, just about the life of Fireglass Cause we didn't even, we barely touched on tour yeah. and stuff. So there's so much more to talk about, but we will get to everything in due time. So but thank you everybody for tuning in i hope you enjoyed it and you know we'll catch you guys later all right everyone that's gonna do it for this brand new episode of writer's block i hope you enjoyed my conversation with gabe as you can see, we sat and we talked for so long that there was no way in hell I could cut it down to just an hour, hour and a half. And I just, I really enjoyed everything that we talked about. I had to make it a two-part episode. It was a lot of fun. Um, I, I really had a great time catching up with Gabe. He's a lo- uh, an old friend of mine and I hadn't seen him since I quit Fireglass. So it was fantastic to sit and talk with him. I loved every second of it. I had so much fun. It was It was probably one of my favorite conversations I've had so far on this show. But thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I hope you enjoyed the content. Make sure to like and follow uh, the podcast on all the socials and stuff. And uh, keep it tuned next time. Find out who my next guest is going to be. I don't even know yet. Anyway, so stay safe out there. Um, Relax and keep it tuned right here on Writer's Block. (laughs) 